If you look at monstrous stats against the Dragons at the weekend, the one thing that jumped, really jumped out at me is 241 passes. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neve Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Good morning and welcome along. I'm Ashton O'Reilly sitting in this morning for Adrian Barry and Owen Sheehan. They're off gallivanting, enjoying that extra long bank holiday weekend and rightly so. Hope you all at home had a great St. Patrick's Day. It was great to see the scenes again around Dublin and around Ireland, just crowds out again. It was unbelievable to see. I'm delighted to say that I'm joined now by Tommy Rooney. How's it going, Tommy? Morning, Ash. You've got big boots to fill today. Yeah, I do indeed. I do indeed. Thrown right in the deep end. How was your St. Patrick's Day? It was good. It was quiet. Uh, I didn't get up to a huge pile. A couple of pints yesterday evening. Nothing too hectic. How did you get on? Very good. Yeah, there was no pints for me now. Hopefully, yeah, maybe one or two today. I'm working for the weekend, so won't have yeah, too you, many. But uh, You've got one of the busiest sports weekends of the year ahead of you, don't you? I do, I do. I have the last Six Nations game. I can't believe we're at the last game. It, it's unbelievable how fast it has gone through. But it's mm. been a great Six Nations, really enjoyable. And there's a lot on the line for the last game, which is the most exciting part and where we want to be. What's been the highlight for you covering it? You've been at you've been all, all the games, have you? I have, yeah. Sorry, I haven't been at the, the Italy game in the Aviva because I was actually at the Potty O'Shea tournament down in Kerry. So I missed that one. But probably my highlight would have been, I would say, Stade de France, the France game in Paris. Just the stadium, the build-up, the noise in the stadium, Tommy, was just incredible. Like something really? I've, I've never experienced before. They could barely hear me back on air. Like, And obviously that's why I'm there. So I was trying to hide nearly under the desk at times, uh, making sure that they could hear me over the Skype. But no, it was it was just incredible. Um, and now obviously last weekend as well in Twickenham was was just as good. But I think just the noise and atmosphere and, and the way the French do it. They had MCs, they had DJs playing, hyping the crowd. Yeah, it was just something else. What about you? What are you at for the weekend? Pass. I'm thinking of going to Clare and Mead. Very, very important game in Ennis here on Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. Both teams on four points. I know we're not going to get stuck talking Mead all morning this morning, but we might do a few minutes on it at half eight when we're talking about the GA. But I think I'm going to get to that. I'm going to wear my half and half jersey. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm only joking, I'm not. But um, You can't do yeah, that, Tommy. That is a step too far. <laughs> no, no, I can't do that. that, that that's going to be an interesting game. I think Mead have, have had a decent record over Clare over the last little while. And they need, both teams need a need a result this weekend. Um, the bottom of that table is, is very dodgy at the minute. Cork down Offaly are all kind of in together. Cork are playing both down on Offaly. So um, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of, it's going to be a very, very interesting weekend. The GA, you're heading to the athletic grounds then from the, from the Aviva on Saturday up to Armagh and Kerry. That's going to be a bit of fun on Sunday. Yeah, that should be a great game. I love watching Armagh football. And I think this year in particular, they've really started to click. I know it's early days, but uh, it, it definitely seems like things are starting to click for them. So I'm excited to see how they go against Kerry. Look, Kerry now are, are an unbelievable side. I think they might have too much for them, but just the game itself and in the athletic rounds, um, a great pitch, a, a great venue to go to. So, yeah, really looking forward to that one. So, yeah, very bu- busy weekend of sport ahead. I was down in Tralee last weekend watching Kerry and... I was so impressed by some of the some of their half forwards, Darren Moynihan in particular. Like the physicality of some of these players is unbelievable. It's off the charts. Like Clifford, like they 
the Ocean Mora matchup and Clifford, I don't think it, it worked, but it, God, it was fascinating to watch. Do you know? David Clifford, like he he was relatively quiet and yet he still turned up with five or six points. You just knew when he got the ball in his mm. hands he was gonna do something with it every single time. So that was uh that was really interesting to watch it from that perspective, um, that close to the touchline. Um and so it's a shootout really between Mayo, Kerry and Armagh for that league final as well. So I think you're going to have Armagh really going for Kerry this weekend. I think so. Like obviously a league final for them is absolutely massive. You know, it would be incredible for their development. So I think they will be going hell for letter to, to try to get over the line. Of course they will. Um, I think even Kieran Donaghy in there, you can really see the, the work he's done I've actually I'll, well, I know we're chatting about it a little bit more but I've, I've talked to a few of them and they, they've given me a few insights into into Kieran and what he's brought to to Armagh football and I think you can see that coming through now so yeah it's it's really exciting and as you said about Kerry jeez uh, David Clifford that's a, a sign of a good player isn't it when he doesn't do much but then he just pops up and he, he gets a score yeah. when you at least expect it It's a funny one and it's, it's tough on defenders as well because like Ronan McNamee, by all accounts, had a great game on him in the All Ireland semi final mm-hmm. last year. Clifford Sills scores eight points that day, yeah. so it's like it's damage, it's damage limitation all the time. Um, and like, what I was impressed with the last day was was the movement to Tony Brosnan, some of his passing. Like Kerry last the last day against Mayo were missing Sean O'Shea, Paul Ganey, David Moran, Paul Murphy, oh, wow. um, Gavin White. And they were still, you know, in, in quite a good place. So James O'Donoghue was interesting. I thought we had James O'Donoghue talking them up on the football pod earlier in the week. He was saying, well, Mayo were getting a good bit of credit, even though they lost. Kerry still have a lot to come back. And then we had Tommy Welch on AM on Wednesday. Really excited about Kilkenny and talking them up. So it seems like a new era of GA punditry where pundits aren't afraid to talk, talk up their own teams. Like uh, for a long time, we would have been used to Owen Sheehan on the show, you know, talking up the opposition <laughs> at a year here and there. I don't think myself or yourself have ever been afraid to to back Mead. Like you've definitely done that. You set the standard last year, backing Mead and calling them for the All Ireland. Do you know what? Early. That was a funny one because obviously I was only starting out in this game really, and mm. even like family, friends, like my mom in particular, she'll hate this now that I said it, but she was like, Ashling, like you need to be like serious now. You can't be calling me to win every game. Like they're not <laughs> going to take you seriously in there. <laughs> and I was like. I am serious they, ma'am they are going to go the whole way this year and I would yeah. like I, I know I said it early on and obviously once they got over the court game that was the big one if they could do that I knew yes. they could go the whole way um, but yeah uh, I know we, we haven't did it so much I don't think with the men's as much but I was just so sure of the women's team that's why I did that but we finally done it Tommy look at this me takeover we said it for I so know. long <laughs> it's happened I know it's been more than deserved as well so and if they get a win at the weekend and they stay up in division 2 we might go again for it next Monday or Tuesday um, what was I going to say did you see Flooring Porter yesterday oh my god I had him backed yes did you <laughs> I wow, did fair play. I know Danny Mullins he's just unbelievable over the last year or year and a half he's really came into his own so delighted for him serious hard work goes in by Danny and yeah was delighted for him and the scenes and the, the parade ring after was just amazing to see and when it's a syndicate of just a small group like from Galway you know it's not big investors or anything like that a nice yeah. like niche small group uh, was just a brilliant scene to see and you see them throwing Danny up on their shoulders when he was coming in and it was a great ride by him as well like he, he did it so well he, he sort of took off in front and then he held him back just to I suppose have enough in the tank to be able to push on in, in that last straight and yeah it, it was brilliant to see so Cheltenham it's been, it's been good have you had um, any winners or any bets on yourself are you following John? 
I, I, I was following um, a little bit of JD on the first day, a little bit of Tom, but I didn't do my own prep this year and uh, I just haven't been able to get into it. Other years, especially when you'd be in the office or you'd be chatting to the lads a lot, you might be prepping for two months, three months mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, having half an eye on it. I just, going in blind this year, just watching races for a bit of the fun. Like the the scenes of James Scal yesterday, we're going to play the video a little later before we get to John. Mm-hmm. James Scal in the ring, his uncle involved in the syndicate, like that was just... That was class to see. They're the moments that you're waiting for with uh, with racing. You might be uh, might be a good idea to start with Rog, see how he's getting on with chat then once you get to, to Ronan and Quinny after this as well. Oh, brilliant. So he likes a few bets then? I think they follow the horses, the two lads. Yeah, I'd say they do. Brilliant. Good stuff. Well, thanks a million, Tommy. You'll be back on throughout the show anyway. Yeah, I'll chat to you at about half eight, Ash. Happy days. Thanks so much. Well, OTBAM is brought to you by Gillette. Good morning, start with Gillette. Put your best face forward with their new and improved razors. And coming up now, in a few moments' time, we're going to be chatting to Ron O'Gara and Alan Quinlan. But first, here's Roy O'Connor. I don't understand how the RFU can allow Eddie Jones to to diminish um, this tournament because it's the it's the bread and butter. Um, it's the it's the income stream for the, the unions. This is where the money comes from. the The prize money is pretty good. The 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 the, the gate receipts for Twickenham are very important, and for them to go out and lose to Ireland uh, and you know at home, it should be unacceptable to them in, in in a tournament that while you are always looking towards twenty twenty three, it's always there. But that doesn't mean you don't focus on the here now as well. You, like there, it's possible to do both. And yes, I would be kind of worried about certain Irish players' age profile that they're they're fine now, but will they be fine in eighteen months? And I would like to see, say, I mean, you know, Carberry's had two games in this tournament, so I'm less concerned about that now. You know, there are things you want to be building towards. I completely understand why a coach would would pick their best team in the here and now and would want to win, but they should always be have the long term. I think Ireland have a reasonable balance on it. There's a couple of positions where I'm a bit mm. concerned, but you're right. You know. The, the tournament is in an interesting place because CBC have bought into it the, the private money has now come into it South Africa are hovering there I think they will event inevitably come in at some stage because that's where the, there's a lot of money to be made from that I think they won't do it at the expense of the Italians I think be, it might be an expanded tournament it's in an interesting place but it remains a very important piece of rugby real estate I don't think it will be diminished Eddie Jones will be gone in two years and another England, another England coach will come in and will probably respect the tournament more he built his first World Cup cycle on, on a Grand Slam and a tournament win and, and he seemed to care an awful lot more about it then I think this might back, bite him in the ass in the end you know this is it's a dangerous game to be playing and he's, he's undermining the confidence in, in his own team as well as, as he goes through these tournaments like, he, he, can, he can say that this doesn't matter as much but you know if it is back to back fifth place finishes for the best resource team in the, in the, in the entire tournament that's, it's terrible yeah, Rory O'Connor there um, with a lot of interesting insights into what's happening at the minute in the Six Nations. Delighted to say that I'm joined by Ron O'Gara and Alan Quinlan. Good morning, lads. Hey, Ashley. How are you? Good now. Good morning, Ashley. How's it going? Have you been following Cheltenham at all? Um, probably has, not me. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Ronan? Did you throw on any bets or would you follow when it's on? Uh, I use, but it's it's hard over here, no, because I mm-hmm. have actually, well, I have the Irish TV channels, but um, uh, the afternoons are quite busy. Um, but I, uh, when I go home, I, I enjoy watching the racing review. That's for sure. Um, so I was listening to your discussion with Tommy, and in fairness, you were making Gaelic football sound interesting as well as Cheltenham, <laughs> uh, because I, I was watching. I watched a bit of Dublin Tyrone at the weekend, and there was a. That was a dog of a match, but uh, interesting, 
nonetheless. Uh, Cheltenham, yeah, there was. I, I, I agree with all of them. The Florham Porter ride, uh, poor old Gallop and uh, Champ, is it, that fell at the last when he was clear. That's uh, it. Then 30 minutes later, uh, he goes out and Paul Town and he goes out and, uh, on wins. That's that's good uh, composure from, from a top sportsman. Obviously, Rachel Blackmore is a massive fan of Jessica's in, in our house. Uh, my daughter is into into horses so uh, uh, it's I think yeah that week or those four days it holds a very special place in um, in Irish people's hearts and uh, uh, but in terms of backing them and stuff no I gave that up line at all thankfully yeah save your money you're better off absolutely (laughs) and as we move on to the Six Nations then exciting weekend ahead just to talk about Twickenham last weekend as well it was unbelievable scenes there. I was I was there. It was my first time in Twickenham, and just the the noise was was something else, really, to experience. For you, Ronan, when it was four or fifteen all, were you nervous for Ireland at that point? I was actually because kind of England had the had the energy mm-hmm. at that stage, and it was a game that obviously with the disallowed Caelan Doris try, it could have been a very very different game. I mm-hmm. think. And, Ireland could have gone on to win by maybe 30 or 40 but uh, that's what people I suppose when they're in the heat of battle they, they misunderstand the fact that when a team gets energy it's hard to get, get it and momentum it's hard to get it back from it but I, you know what I mean for Ireland to I suppose realise okay we're actually now in a dogfight we need to probably change mm-hmm. plan and they only change plan with probably seven minutes to go to, to just be a little bit more direct be a little bit more brutal in the carry and uh, they hurt England by doing that and to score, I suppose, two unanswered late tries was, was uh, put a different reflection on the scoreboard. But that's what happens at the top level. You're talking about tiny margins, even with red cards. So mm-hmm. uh, Ireland finished very strongly, which will give them a lot of confidence. But uh, you know I mean, I think from reviewing the video they had looked at the uh, maybe a lot a lot of inaccuracies in their own game and forcing offloads and probably being in a hurry to score as opposed to maybe if they if they didn't knock on the ball five or six phases later I think they would have got a lot more reward yeah I don't think by any means it was their best performance but I think Quinny the way they showed that composure to really push on and get over the line like we heard Johnny Sexton say after the game that you know two years ago they mightn't have done that they mightn't have been able to win that game Yeah that was impressive I think it was it certainly was nervy Ashley and Mm -hmm. um the great thing from an Irish point of view is uh, when they probably reviewed the match on Monday there, there was a certain amount of mistakes and errors. I think um, 17 turnovers is too many in a game. And um, I think the way they were trying to play and, and the confidence they had in, in trying to off the, offload the ball, keep the ball alive is, is um, you know, is it, it shows their mentality at the moment. But they didn't, they didn't panic. And, you know, to get a record win and a bonus point win against England and Twickenham was uh, was absolutely fantastic, and I think it's a learning curve for this team going forward. Um, everybody automatically thought when Charlie Ewells was off that that's it, Ireland is mm-hmm. going to have it comfortable here. Um, one thing they probably learn need to learn to do is when they have the man advantage is uh, how do they optimize um, their performance and be really ruthless and probably hold on to the ball. The easiest thing, and Ronald will tell you this as a coach and as a player as well. Um, if you're defending a team with with extra numbers and it happens 
it's happened lots of us with, with sin bins and games. Mm-hmm. They're the type of games that um, you want the opposition to 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 kind of uh, the the team with the the numerical advantage to to force things and hope that they turn the ball over after two or three phases. The hardest part for a rugby player defending is when you get into multi-phase, 10, 15, 20 phases even. Um, so Ireland never really got to that that big number. They always mm. kind of turned it over or made a mistake. So credit to England. Um, but I was kind of baffled that and it just goes to show where England are at the moment. Um, that they, they, they're, they're, they're kind of cheering a, um, a performance against Ireland bonus point it's lost strange. against Ireland because of desire and passion and stuff. Mm. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy. But look, I suppose Eddie Jones is under a lot of pressure and um, it's a complete contrast to where uh, Andy Farrell was probably over a year ago. Um, that turning point was last year against against uh, England in the Aviva and Ireland are easy easy to watch now. They're, they're playing confidently and um, they are making some mistakes. They're certainly not the finished article and they, they mm-hmm. still have some some issues, but um, I think they're in a decent place. But you move on to Scotland this weekend and it's it's this is a real test of, of how good this team is now. Every week is a test and mm-hmm. um, just what, what they'll mentally be like and what will they, will they be able to find a route to streak this Saturday against Scotland. Yeah, and it's about, I suppose, taking those learnings and putting them into action and, uh, I suppose, growing each game. And this, as I mentioned at the start there, Ronan, the crowd and the noise in Twickenham was something else. And it was the same in the Stade de France game. And I think it might have affected Ireland a little bit in that game. Maybe they lacked a little bit of leadership as well with Johnny not in there. But I think in Twickenham, they, they overcame that and that was unbelievable. Is that a factor, say, for you when, when you're out playing? Like, was that a factor, the, the noise, the crowd? Is it something that you have to sort of block out? That's something you love too as well, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, the more you probably uh, seasoned professional you become, you kind of I think um, you realise in your head that uh, yeah, performing at Lansdowne Road or the Aviva is very good. But I think the true test of character is when you go away from home. When you go to the Millennium Stadium, you go to Stade de France, you go to Twickenham, you go to Eden Park. Mm-hmm. These are places that you want to be tested f- physically and mentally. So. Um, I think uh, what you say is um, that's what experience is because for you, I'd say you were blown away by Twickenham because it's a real, real impressive stadium where, you know, unfortunately in the Aviva, you have three quarters of a stadium. You don't have the back end where where it isn't complete. You go to Twickenham and you're kind of engulfed by and taken over by this um, great kind of... um, Emporium of uh, of 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 just a, a huge um, great stand in front of you, and I think um, you know. I mean, there was obviously a good Irish support there, but the majority of the people there were were English, and everyone was probably from an English point of view rattled with the with the early sending off. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think um, to to reply to your question, um, you know, Ireland we looking to improve against Scotland and put together a, um, a probably an 80 minute performance with the asterisk that they got a bonus point victory in Twickenham, which is probably a contradiction in certain terms. But the way I suppose the team have been going under fire between mixing the kind of a rock game and an offload game to, to, uh, 
they'd be looking to put all that together because I think they have uh, they have some very good forwards playing on top of their game. Uh, you look at, you mean, Robbie Henshaw can't force his way into the team. So that's a reflection of where the strength and depth in Irish rugby is at the minute. Yeah, big time. And I think that's something that we can use to our advantage. The bench every game is really having a strong impact. And Alan, as we move on then to Ireland versus Scotland, it's the first time in 18 years that Ireland have a chance to win a Triple Crown at home. It'd just be unbelievable to to do it at home in front of the home fans. Yeah, it will. Um, it's 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 certainly a great opportunity to finish the Six Nations and on, on a very positive note. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll obviously be very disappointed if 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 England don't beat France, um, which is highly probably highly is probably the wrong word, but it's pretty unlikely. It looks like France will will win a Grand Slam. You'd never know, but for Ireland. Um, Winning four out of five of the games in the Six Nations, I think, is is a pretty good return. Mm-hmm. Um, they will be disappointed, um, but when when the years you have France and England away, it's always really difficult. Four years ago, we won a Grand Slam in this situation, but France are at a different level at the moment, and we ran them very close in Paris. Um, the physicality obviously was an issue, and um, some of the breakdown issues. So the team is still learning, I think, and. Um, it's it's they're not in a perfect position, but they must finish on a high against Scotland. Um, if you're in the Scotland camp, Ashley and uh, Roger have played against them so many times as well. Um, they, they'll they'll be really really determined to try and fix their Six Nations. I think they started off brilliantly against England, great home win. Um, then they went to Cardiff, were very disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, got walloped by France and were very average at times against Italy last week so um, people keep saying before every Six Nations this is the best Scotland team ever and uh, they're very very dangerous they're going to do this that and the other um, they have some very good players there's no doubt about that but they're very inconsistent so they'll be fighting for their lives in Dublin um, t- tomorrow and they're not going to make it easy for Ireland so Ireland have to be very very careful here that they don't take their eye off the ball and they just expect that it's a home game. The crowd are going to get behind them um, and that they're going to win it. I think they have to improve a lot. Um, the scrum was a big issue last week mm-hmm. um, and, and and those knock-ons and turnovers. So it'll be really interesting to see what they're like. I think um, every game is a mental test as well and, and you know we're trying to build towards um, a World Cup but obviously win at the same time. That's the, the, the perfect scenario. Um, but They've got to be really good tomorrow uh, and really aggressive and physical because Scotland will certainly throw the kitchen sink at them. Blair Kinghorn is playing at 10. Um, that was the big eye-opener with Finn Russell. Um, Roger probably have a stronger opinion on the fly-half position than me, but um, Finn Russell has been poor in this tournament so far. Um, made a lot of mistakes and Gregor Townsend didn't want to get into that gesture. So that's a big call to see how, how that works out Kinghorn is, is is obviously a running fly half and he's shown mm-hmm. that in the last few weeks against Connacht um, and Munster as well. So it'll be a really interesting one, but Ireland have got to make, really make sure that they, they don't underestimate Scotland in any way. Yeah, big time. Um, I don't think you can ever um, like ever think that Scotland are going to come out and not put up a big performance. 
Uh, Ronan, can I bring you back to 2010, if you don't mind? Um, it was something that came up in the press conference during the week and we were just chatting about it when Scotland played Ireland in Crow Park and they got over the line. I think it was 2023 that day. It was the first win in Ireland for over 10 years. Can you bring me back to that day and, and what it was like for you? I, I saw Johnny commenting on during the week and I actually, I um, I have no recollection. I, I It was... I can remember Dan Parks kicked a, a, a conversion from the touchline, so I knew it was a good day for Scotland. What he's trying to say there, actually, and it wasn't his fault that our Scotland won that game. <laughs> no, well, no, Ronan, no. you kicked to go 17-all, didn't you? And you kicked to go 20-all, I'm pretty sure. If I, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I, actually, I don't know. I honestly don't know. You did, you I did. <laughs> I, I remember it was Crow Park, but I was fascinated to get get into it. But I never I never uh, googled the article after after uh, the comments by Johnny. You know, I, I remember the game. Uh, I can remember where I was standing. I think uh, at the end at the end of the game, but um, you mean that what a what a big disappointment that was. Um, Mm-hmm. But yeah, following up on on on, on I think uh, earlier in the week was it Andy Nickel was on the show commenting about um, the Scottish team and interestingly uh, he's a smart guy he was commenting about the I suppose the regression that the Scotland team have made from a mental point of view and 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 that's that's quite interestingly because if Van der Mer wasn't suspended they could have five potential Test uh, Lions playing at the at the weekend but. Um, you know, I suppose what's interesting for Irish supporters' point of view is the the strength of having centrally contracted players. So, for people to understand what the union controlling the players looks like is exactly what's happened. Finn Russell in the Six Nations campaign. So, between games, he goes back to France to play for his club in Racing. So, Sunday night before the France Scotland game. Uh, sorry, it was Scotland, France. Scotland were at home. At nine o'clock on the Sunday night, Finn Russell was talking out for Racing against Bordeaux. He finishes at midnight in Bordeaux and he's got to get up on a plane from Bordeaux to Paris uh, with his teammates. He gets home at 3 a.m. But what does he do? Does he go back to his apartment for four hours to fly at 7 a.m. to Edinburgh to join up his with his international colleagues who have a weekend of, you know what I mean, recovery, mm. hot, and, hot, hot and cold uh, baths and, uh, you know what I mean, physio, uh, pilates, whatever, re- recovery to the, to the to the ninth degree. And then, you know, he, he's he's suffering and I think he obviously has had uh, his ups and downs with, with, uh, with Gregor uh, Townsend, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, People have short memories in the fact he gave the Lions a chance to win that third test. He was exceptionally good that day. And now all of a sudden he finds himself, you know what I mean, not starting. So that's, if ever there was a concrete example of what looking after your players or keeping control of your players looks like, this is it in a in a blue jersey. But it's exactly the same for, you know I mean, a Johnny Sexton or a Ty Furlong or an Ian Henderson. So, um, you know what I mean, that's what I suppose... Um, it looks like um, I'm looking forward to the game in, in in Paris on Saturday night. I think the French are ready to put on a show. I think they've prepped for this game for a long, long time. They know exactly who their impact replacements are and uh, I expect them to win with a bonus point. And how could England get over them? 
is there any area that you think that they could exploit to be able to beat France? That's what we want to happen here. <laughs> yeah, you you can exactly because I just think that there's a, there's a lot of people whatever throwing throwing pies at Eddie Jones, but. Uh, mm. He masterminded that performance against the All Blacks. I was in that stadium in in Japan and, uh, for that semi-final, and it was a complete uh, exhibition of total rugby when when uh, England destroyed New Zealand. Uh, yes, the players are different. I think he doesn't have the backs this time t- to implement what he would like to do. There are too many, I suppose, inexperienced, unproven people in white jerseys playing in the back line. Fifty mm-hmm. percent of the game is defence, so they'll French will will put Aldred, they'll put uh, Villiers, they'll put Figu, they'll put Dante down at Marcus Smith. They'll tire him out by that way by having him to make tackles, so he can't kind of orchestrate the English attack, which he's very, very good at. But uh, I think from living here, you just get a sense that this is the, the big step that they really, I suppose, need to tick off on their way to to making a charge at a home World Cup. Yeah, it's definitely going to be tough for them, um, for sure. I think uh, everybody thinks the France are going to do it easy enough, but you, you never know, I suppose, what can happen. And Alan, just the changes then for Ireland in the, the starting team. We've seen that uh, Ian Henderson is for James Ryan. We knew that. Mac Hansen comes back in. It's Andrew Conway, who has a knee injury. Jack Conan comes in for Peter O'Mahony at eight as well. Um, we've seen him come off the bench at the last two games. What did you make of the starting team? Um, no major surprises I think mm-hmm. obviously Peter O'Malley will be disappointed but given where Jack Conan has been in the last um, 12 to 18 months and his performances and the impact off the bench last week he's a different type of player than, than Peter um, ball in hand um, particularly in the wider channels he's, he's brilliant and uh, he got a great try last week um, so um, it kind of indicates that you know, Peter, with respect, um, is incredible in the line-out and breakdown. But Jack Conan is probably a better better carrier. Um, so it's back to that back row that, that, that was so good in in, um, in November. Um, and it's kind of horses for courses. And, and that's the competitive nature of this back row. Uh, Peter O'Mahony would be vital coming off the bench and, and being part of the group as well. Um, Henderson coming back in, you know, that's a no-brainer. I think he probably would have been disappointed with a couple of penalties last week um, and has kind of had no consistent run of matches. So he's a, he's a really important player. Um, Andrew Conway, you know, unfortunately, he's picked up a knee injury. But we now have a, a, a fair bit of depth in that back three. And Mac Hansen, obviously, the way he started in the first two games in the tournament um, was brilliant. And he offers a real kind of ability to come in off the wing like James Lowe and attack as well and be a playmaker so um, they're in a good place I think they've they've. Um, I think the scrum situation has obviously be, that's been clarified mm-hmm. um, Ireland didn't do a Razzie Erasmus on it last week and go public with, with, with all the scrum penalties but certainly there was um, you know it's, it's, it's slowly dripping out now that um, some of the decisions were wrong for Matthew Reynal and, and I think that's coming out of the review and and that's the feedback Ireland have got back themselves. So um, it's 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 a, it's a dangerous proposition. Um, but this team will be kind of ruthlessly judged if they don't get a performance tomorrow. And I think that mm-hmm. not alone have they to 
I don't know if they to win this game, but I think they have to find a performance to finish on a high and really kind of excite excite people and have optimism about the team going forward. So um, it's not going to be easy, but the ideal scenario would be a really good performance and 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 and, and attacking rugby in really good conditions tomorrow in Dublin. But um, the most important game of the weekend, let's say, is uh, La Rochelle are away to Toulon at quarter past four tomorrow. So. Uh, we have to put some eyes in that as well and press the record, record button to see how, how the boss gets on there. Yes, Ronan, how are you going to fare out? <laughs> Big game, chance to go third. We're mm-hmm. in sixth at the minute. It's very, very tight. It's been a crazy top 14 uh, campaign this season. Uh, but everything to play for, the season gets going on in the next three months. So I uh, can't wait for it. We, um, yeah, we got a crucial game tomorrow. And... Um, then uh, Six Nations is over Europe is back on top 14 goes on so it's um, it's time to get going It's a tough schedule um, to actually be able to balance like I spoke with Leo Cullen a few times about this just how you manage to to balance the whole thing with Six Nations happening as well Um, Yeah but it's an opportunity isn't it Yeah it's a great opportunity You want to see players and you want to give people game time and Mm -hmm. you want to set up as many of them as you can to succeed so like there's always two ways of looking at it you can find the faults and the negatives and the difficulties with it Mm -hmm. but turn it on its head and say okay these guys are getting an opportunity and um, it's up to them to take it but you're trying to make sure that they they are uh, prepped well to take it yeah definitely big time and so I'll get a few predictions before I let you go uh, how do you think it's going to go with the weekend we might do both games uh, France and England and uh, the Ireland-Scotland game Alan I'll go to you first yeah I think the Ireland will will be mindful of the, the things I was talking about there um, and will win um, I'd be disappointed if they don't win comfortably I think Scottish people who probably will pick up on this and will be listening uh, to, to see what the Irish pundits are saying but as I said, Scotland have been pretty inconsistent. So, look, I think Ireland will finish on a high. And uh, it'll be great to win, if they do win a triple crown. That's that's really important. Mm-hmm. Anything less than a good performance, I think it'll be disappointing. And Rog probably knows more about the, the mood in France. Um, I kind of thought France were poor against Wales last week. They were ruthless against Scotland and Murrayfield. Um, but I just think there's too much momentum with them now. And I think they'll they'll probably save their best performance for the last game. Um, maybe they'll be a bit nervy. Some of them are, haven't been at this in this kind of pressurised situation before where the silverware on the line. But I think, unfortunately, from an Irish point of view, I think France will, will possibly be too strong. But England have the forwards probably up, up front to cause them some issues. So if France revert to just kicking the letter off the ball like they've done at times and then kind of struck with their X-factor players and their power players mm-hmm. they could they could they could be in trouble they've got to play a bit tomorrow night um, against England um, and look they've they've been the best team in the tournament so far and uh, they're going to be a real threat in 18 months so it'll be I think Ireland or France for me Yeah I think our, our England are getting better and better each game so I hope that's the case again this weekend and Ronan what do you think? Uh Ireland will win with four tries and France will win with four tries I think <laughs> Straight to the point good stuff what we like Brilliant lads well thanks so much thanks for joining me um, we'll, Thank you Thank you 
It's 8.35am at the moment. We've got a packed show still to come on OTBM. But up next, we're going to be talking GAA. And a few players have walked away this year um, for their own reasons. It's always tough, I'm sure, to, to see lads leaving the panel. Aye, it is. And, you know, I think um, it's, yeah, people, every every life, you know, people come up against things that maybe they have to, you know, deal with or react on and stuff. So, again, just seeing, obviously, a few boys left this year. Um, yeah. yeah, I, You wouldn't rule a few of those guys coming back in in the future again. Do you, do you know what I mean? But, it's um it was a big loss to us because they they could be massive um you know they could have made a, a massive impact on our year this year um and again maybe maybe not even from a bench point of view maybe from starting the team as well so who knows but um at the minute we do we have a very healthy and competitive squad as well so we're 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 very lucky with that. Yes, there's Cotton McShane. I was speaking to him during the week um, just for the, the Allianz retro jersey that you're going to see this weekend. It's going to be out for some of the hurling games, uh, the Galway Clare game and also as well the Tyrone and Mayo game, which is a, a massive must-win game. I'm joined again by Tommy Rooney. How's it going, Tommy? Ashley, how are you? The, those Tyrone interviews, um, they're brilliant. They're really, really good. Like mm-hmm. you, you've got some great stuff out of the Throne squad over the last um, twelve months. I'd say you've you've covered a lot of their games, and um, I think they're well used to chatting to you. Like McShane was very open throughout that interview. It's very good stuff. Yeah, and I think that's what helps. Because I was there time and time again. I'm at each and every game. They warm mm. to you. They see you take an interest, and um, you're there each week. So yeah, definitely, I find that the more you're there, the more you're chatting to them, the more open they become. And yeah, he was really open there, which was really nice. Um, you know, that's what you want to see. You don't want to see um, sort of media trained. I hate that coming into GA. And I think mm. over the last few years anyway, it's starting to creep in a little bit more. And I'm like, no, I don't want us to lose the amateur yeah. side of things, or even within the media, you know, when you're speaking to the lads that it's uh, just raw and real, I suppose. And that's exactly what, what Cottle was like there. Yeah, it's 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 exactly what you want. It's personality. It's um, honesty. It's mm-hmm. you know being open and chatting. Look, there there is probably a time and a place for keeping your mouth shut and uh, yeah, big maybe time. You know, maybe it's biting <laughs> your lip immediately after a game when you know you you might not have processed exactly what happened and all of that. But like even some of the interviews that have happened since, like Darren McCurry was speaking this week as well on uh, the yeah. GA Social podcast, and it's very interesting that both himself and McShane we're open enough about the six Tyrone players that have left because like everyone's looking in there and they're I think uh, Finney McMahon was kind of speaking about it last week and mm-hmm. uh, he was saying it looks like there could be issues in Tyrone but the lads are quite clear about it like that Darren McCurry was saying that he didn't want those lads to leave you know and Colin McShane is saying that the doors they're open so it's, it's yeah. obviously six personal decisions six very different reasons for leaving I'd say but they're going to be a loss to that squad. Big time. And I'd love to know the the reasons, um, if they're personal reasons or there's other things going on within the squad. Because when you mm. were speaking to, to Colt McShane there, I just felt that he was obviously not telling us everything because you can't you can't tell us all those personal reasons I suppose but there was definitely something more in it and that you know they, they are such a loss not just he was saying coming off the bench they're a loss actually for starters on the field and when you see things like that it's not that they're retiring or anything like that you know they're lads that have just won in all Ireland so sometimes yeah. you can understand when it, it might be a team that uh, maybe isn't really competing or you know when you're sacrificing a hell of a lot and look uh, you can understand 
can you really can but when you see a team who's just won an All-Ireland title and they're hoping to do what Tyrone like you know has rarely done of a back they've never to, done never they've done never sorry back correct back. Yeah, yes yeah, yeah. of a back-to-back All-Ireland like mm. that is it, it's hard to understand Tommy it really is yeah well it's like the, the big issue and the big problems they're going to have is those A versus B games because mm. they must have been ferocious last year and like you know from listening to some of the dubs talking about it like what brought them what drove them to six All-Irelands in a row and even the, the great Kilkenny team of the of the noughties like what was driving them was the standards they were setting in training that mm-hmm. Jackie Tyrrell was marking the best full forwards in the country that Johnny Cooper was marking the best forwards in the country that the best forwards in the country are being marked by the best defenders in the country and the standards are being set in the own squad in their own squad and it felt like Tyrone last year we kind of slept on how much depth they had Yeah. and that seems to have been eroded slightly this year now when you're looking at depth across the country Terry definitely have it mm-hmm. Mayo definitely have it um, and I'm not sure who else would have that strength and depth um, of, a, of a squad a panel of 30-35 players that I might be doing a complete injustice to a couple of panels here, but like it certainly feels like Tyrone cannot replace what Tiernan McCann could bring, what mm. Ron O'Neill could even bring. Like that, that's a wild that experience. Like mm-hmm. Lee Brennan was a player who who had a great league campaign a couple of years ago and has loads of talent, and just we just haven't seen it over the last couple of years. So even some of the defenders, Michael Cassidy, like there's there's strength there that you've lost, but like I suppose when some of those players have gone through a year where they've been on the periphery, they've been on the outside. It's such an all-consuming, time-consuming game. You mentioned amateur yeah. earlier on. Like, it, it takes up so much of your life mm-hmm. that I'd never really hold it against someone stepping away if they can't fully commit to it. No, and absolutely. Like, and I definitely don't mean that at all. Um, you know, if it, it is so time-consuming. Whenever I speak to any of the players, a lot of the time I'll ask them, like, what does your week look like? And they'll mm. always say, you know, there is like five to six different things on during the week. There's only seven days during the week. So they're, you yeah. know, they're completely consumed. And, you know, between having a full-time job, family, whatever it is, you know, it must be extremely hard to balance it all. But even just speaking about the strength and depth in the panel, like last year when we spoke about Tyrone, we often talked about their bench and Cotton McShane coming off the bench. Like that came mm. up like li- literally every time we spoke about it. And yeah. not he is starting a few more games now, but, you know, that isn't really there as much. And it's a 20-person game now. It, you know, it really is. You know, that's when the, the game changes if you have those impact subs. And yeah, I, as you said, I'd be a little bit afraid of they maybe don't have that factor as much with these lads stepping away. Yeah, and like, I would say that there's an element as well that Tyrone have had patches of matches where they've played quite well, Mm. you know, and they just need to pull a result out of the bag now in the next two games and stay up. And it's been a decent league campaign for them to have. I think that's a fair point. Like, it was nearly, they were they were nearly lucky last year that Cahill McShane was was injured in a way and he wasn't fully fit because they could kind of, like, it'd be very difficult to keep a fellow like that on the bench all the time. He, that... Colin McShane wants to start. Like, Dara Canavan wants to start. Mm-hmm. It was just that. It was the perfect mix last year of, right, lads, you're going to make a massive impact for us. You're going to be our finishers. You're still very important, but we're not going to start you. That's a difficult conversation to have this year if they want to be starting, if they want to be playing from the front. So, like, that's a balance that Jim Gavin got incredibly well mm-hmm. during during his Dublin tenure, that he was able to call on uh, Kevin McMiniman or Cormac Costello or Bernard Brogan or whoever to come off the bench and make an impact in the last couple of minutes and that was what possibly what Mayo were lacking and maybe that's why we've seen Aidan O'Shea play a couple of games on the bench this year mm-hmm. or maybe not like O'Shea is starting centre back this weekend like it's just incredible okay. he's yeah. won all stars in, in, in the half forward line full forward did he win one in midfield um, 
he obviously played full back and Kieran Donnie that time that Stephen Rochford pulled that wild yeah. card in, in in sixteen it was sixteen or seventeen. Seventeen and seventeen. So, you know, like that's gonna be an interesting game this weekend. I'm just gonna call out a couple of interesting games actually that I have my eye on. Yes, uh, absolutely. Or worth keeping an eye on. Derry Galway are playing in division two this weekend. Um and that I'm is I'm excited game. for Derry. I'm really their team this year that I like last year I said it on off the ball. Derry are the mm. ones to watch next year. They were unlucky last year. Yeah, there definitely were. And I would say that a lot of counties are probably looking on saying, why are Derry being talked about so much? Why mm. is there so much chatter about Derry? I think there's an element that there's a Rory Gallagher factor there, that yeah. they're always going to be entertaining. They've had their stars come back from the AFL. I think they've got a, a nice bit of size about them. They've got, you know, Shane McGuigan, obviously, quality footballer. If he had stayed mm-hmm. on the pitch the last day against Roscommon, <laughs> may he have kicked that final score? Probably. Um, but that is going to be a game worth watching because those two teams have been flying but sometimes it can be difficult to get a read on form, I suppose, in Division 2. Like, it's hard. Like, those teams want to break into Division 1. We'll see how good they are now when they face each other this weekend. Corking down in that division is massive as well. Um, losers are going to be relegated. Clare and Mead, I think, if it finishes a draw, both counties would be happy. They'd be possibly guaranteed that. safety then. Mm-hmm. And then Offaly are playing Roscommon too. Offaly in, in dire need of a result as well. In Division 1, we have Tyrone and Mayo. That's going to be a cracker, you know. Yeah. That is going to be a bad thing. We're saying it there. Mayo need a win to, you know, get into the league final. Tyrone need a win to stay up. Armand and Kerry both a shootout for the league final. Caldera Monaghan is going to be a great game too. I know we had a comment there on YouTube. I'll, I'll dig it out here from one of our viewers about looking forward to that game. That's a massive game. Like, that's big a time and there's playoff. a lot on the line. A lot on the yeah. line there. And two teams that at the moment, like, play in good football. Like, like mm. Monaghan always have been in Division 1. When I think they have been in Division 1 with Dublin they're the most consistent team you know they've always stayed up there um, and I really enjoy Monaghan football as well so yeah it's going to be interesting to see I'd like to see the journey that Kildare are on as well at the minute you know um, it's hard to go to Newbridge and get a win as we all know so uh, I think it'll be a tough game for them but it's an exciting week definitely a weekend of of sport and I'm going to go through the papers here as well Um, so on the back pages of the Irish Daily Star we have free course has the porter flowing. Yes, absolutely. That's Danny Mullins there on the back, uh, just celebrating. And the scenes that we've seen in the parade ring after was something else. Uh, we're going to be chatting with John Duggan a little bit about all of that. Um, yeah. Also, the turn that turn that crown upside down, excuse me. So that is from Andy Farrell. Desperately wants Ireland to land a first triple crown since 2004 with a win against Scotland. That's actually surprising, Tommy, when you, you read that. 2004. It, it doesn't seem that long ago. That's insane. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I had I hadn't realised that at all. No, that absolutely is, not. Yeah, that's mad. Then we have the Irish Independent. Um, a bit more about the the Crow Park yesterday, the schools final. Ardree, uh, the joint captain Vince Harrington holds the the Crow Park aloft as he celebrates with teammates following his side's victory in the All Ireland Post Primary Schools after beating St Kieran's College in Kilkenny. So massive scenes for them must be unbelievable uh, celebration that's happening there. It's always good with your school to to win something like that. Yeah, it was great for them to get their day as well. I know people are probably mm-hmm. missing the club finals, but, you know, with the GA calendar, we've had to move those back. And, uh, yeah, it was unbelievable for Nace too, winning that Hogan Cup. Like, that was such an unbelievable game of football. Big time. And I know we were missing the finals, but I think it, it, it's better off. Like, oh, I genuinely mm, do. I, I know agree. a lot of people were putting it up on Twitter and stuff and saying, oh, we missed yeah. it today. But I, I, everyone was out enjoying themselves. The, I'm sure the players got to, you know, get out yeah. too. And, yeah, I think it was better, wasn't it? I think so too, yeah. I just think there's there's too many ills with that calendar that we're better off just pushing mm-hmm. it back earlier into the year, yeah. Big time. Um, then we have the Herald here. It's uh, mostly Cheltenham on the back as well. We have 
Park has a warning for Arl, uh, for Farrell's men. Excuse me, that's Rory O'Connor there. The Pogba will let the contract end. Yes, yeah, so a lot about Pogba all over the pages as well this morning. Um, so it's United French midfielder set to become the most high-profile free agent. So we'll mm. see what happens there. Yeah, that's a big talking uh, story at the minute, Tommy. Yeah, I'd say United will just have to cut their losses and let him go. Yeah. Um, there's a big clear out needed at Manchester United. I think it's a reset, a reset. Like mm. every, it just needs to start from scratch. It's, it's unbelievable what we're seeing really at the minute, isn't it? And you think as the further the season went on, you think they'd grab some momentum. They have the players, but just, just nothing. It's it's just not clicking whatsoever, is it? No, it's 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 very 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 difficult. It's not difficult to watch. It's been very difficult to watch for the last eight years. You know, there's been there's been very uh, there's been decent times. There's mm-hmm. you know there's been a couple of areas when it's they've been kind of exciting but most of the football over the last eight years has been just horrendous to watch yeah um and yeah a complete clear it is absolutely needed yeah i'm glad i'm not a man united supporter i'd say it is seriously tough at the minute <laughs> and then lastly then we have the the irish daily mail um it is about lambert lifeline um yeah that was a brilliant 99th minute goal secured a crucial one nil win at uh, 10 minutes then Everton <laughs> over newcastle that was something else oh that was massive <laughs> yeah, that was massive lampard needed that big time he um, needed that for sure. Yeah, there's a couple of big relegation games this weekend in the in the football as well. So we'll have a reaction on Monday as OTBAM to to all of that. Happy days. Well, thanks for the moment, Tommy. We'll chat to you again in a Cheers few minutes. Much. Sure. And now we're going to throw to Colin McShane. Well, just it's 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 to be honest, it's it's something out there that maybe is 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 said or spoke about. But for ourselves, we just sort of focus on on doing our best, and and you know, obviously, giving our opponents a tough tough game, tough battle, and you know, from watching throwing teams over the years, just looking back to even the, the, the you know that clip that goes around with throwing Kerry and Crow Park, and there's maybe eight or nine tackles within you know a certain period of time that just epitomizes maybe what throwing are about, but. Yeah. And you, know, you just have to be doing it within within the, the the rules and sticking to it. And you know, obviously, every player is doing doing their best and putting their bodies in the line to ensure that you know we get the best results for our own. And even after that red card, then um, you had probably the best period of the game with fourteen men. So that was really positive. That's it. Um, we we when you look back, you, you can see that although we were you know overall disappointed with our performance, there's still big big positives to take away. And you know at the end of the day too, there's only five points in it. Then you know a couple of kicks the ball in it towards the end. Now that's you know don't get me wrong, that's that's probably peeping over some you know issues that we had because we didn't perform well. But you know maybe if we had of um, you know a few decisions had it went our way early on, you know we had the goal as well uh, ruled out. But um, you know if if that had happened, then it would have given us a better chance but it didn't so you know we, we can't uh, we can't worry about that we just need to focus now uh, going forward and and, and going one better the, the next day out yeah and it is early days yes you do hear, hear people saying it's not the Tyrone last year what do you think when you hear people say that because last year you didn't have the best start you got a tough defeat to Kerry and then you went on and won the All-Ireland yeah, well, listen, for us, it's just about we we have to be sure that what we're doing in, in, in camp is is correct. And we're, well, that's that's the way we're going to. We just worry about what happens within Gervahi and the training field and when we go out to play matches. And, 
you know, I can see that I was working hard in training and it probably hasn't clicked yet, to be honest, this year. And, you know, there's lots of factors. You can, you know, just this, you know, league football this time of the year. Obviously, last year was, um, you know, it was very competitive and it probably took a lot out of the squad and stuff. Um, and then we went straight back into our, our, our clubs as well and that ran on into, you know, mid, mid-November, December time. So it's been a it's been a short enough turnaround getting back on the board or getting back on the, the field this season, sorry. And then, um, you know, it's just a matter now of, yeah, really trying to step it up a level or two and, 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 and go, go one more. And you think it will click in time? Because obviously the championship is coming around a lot faster, I suppose, than it would have last year. You have to believe it. You have to believe it. It, it will like it because every man's working hard. And don't get me wrong, we we can increase our performance levels and we can go and give that extra few percent. And that's that's what we'll be aiming to do. And um, as I say, there's no better opportunity to do it this weekend. Like Mayo is a formidable outfit, and they're they're stronger than they were last year as well. So you know that's a big challenge that we know we have to be ready for. And then for yourself as well, then you played very much that input impact sub role last year. It was really effective. This year, you're starting more games. Is that a conversation that you've had with Brian Dewar and Fergal Owen to want to feature more from the start? I think I think it is. I think for every footballer, they, they don't they don't come into a squad or don't be part of a squad if they think they're just going to be, um, you know, sit in the background and you know just play a bit part type of thing. Every man wants to be challenging and you know putting on the starting jersey, but. At the minute, we do have a really competitive squad, and I know for me, it's just about focusing and getting minutes, getting game time, and 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 you know really building, getting that confidence back. Because obviously, since I come back from injury, I have been you know came on as that sub role last year, and it worked really well. Um, now this year, it's just a matter of trying to push and get back to those levels, maybe back in twenty nineteen. But um, again, it's not going to happen overnight. We need to keep working and keep keep um, keep trying hard, and, and hopefully that that um, those days will will come again soon. And was it tough at times? Playing that sort of role, I know you're a really unbelievable addict. Like you actually finished off a lot of the games and just like that All-Ireland final. But was it tough sometimes sort of on edge watching from the sideline, wishing you're out there? Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely not easy watching from the sideline. And I didn't realise that probably um, going back to the club when I was injured as well, just watching the club play as well. It's so, so difficult. I used to like, you know wonder why people are shouting in the field and stuff. But yeah. once I sort of got a, an experience of that myself, I was like, now I know. But um, like even just then from obviously, yeah, being on the bench with Tron last year, it was kind of, you had to prepare differently and just sort of, you know, you're not really getting, you know, really psyched up at the very beginning. You're just ready to, you sort of come on and you need to be ready at that moment in, in time. And that's kind of something that uh, I played about with at the start. But um, I think it uh, nailed it quite towards the end uh, for the important times. And um, yeah, it was it was frustrating at times. But again, you were just sort of, you were just sort of um, knowing that you're coming on to help the team make the impact. And um, I was just happy to do that as well. Yes, Colton McShane there um, chatting to me earlier um, in the week just about how things are going at the moment in Tyrone and yeah, they've got a big game this weekend against Mayo so we'll wait and see how that one goes. I'm delighted to say that I'm joined now by Jess McFadyan from motorsport.com. Hello Jess, it's nice to talk to you. Hi, good morning. Yeah, great to be here. Good morning. Are you excited for the season ahead? Yes, it's a weird feeling. It's been like the shortest off-season ever so between last season and this season has been a really short amount of time and obviously we've had so much going on in the world of F1 in that time. It almost feels a bit like whiplash that we're we're going back racing already 
mm-hmm. but it's all new this season. So there's so much to unpack, even just from the few days that we've had uh, at Bahrain already. Um, we've not even had any proper on-track action yet. So it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a good start to 2022. And you feel a different buzz this year. I think uh, Formula One has gone on to a different height after last year. Obviously, the, the title race was something else. Whether you were Team Lewis or, or Team Max, it was just sensational from the, from the start to the end, the whole season, really. Is there a different buzz around it now? Yeah, I think there are still some uh, still some headaches that are rolling on from from last season. But mm-hmm. as you said, the fact that it was so competitive up until the very last corner of the very last lap, um, this season has got a lot to live up to, and we're we're about to enter a brand new era of Formula One. So not only do we have the precedent of last year. We've now got brand new looking cars. Um, we've got people in different teams this year. It's it's there's a lot going on even the race weekend format this year has changed so today I, i'm still getting my head around it it's, it's all it's all been a bit different and a bit <laughs> topsy-turvy so today is a is a brand new format so all the media sessions are happening this morning mm-hmm. and then this afternoon we get we get a first look at the the cars on track and and hopefully seeing their real potential because we've had two two uh, pre-season tests where we've seen the cars get shaked down and and kind of see maybe we can guess what the pecking order is but this afternoon we should really get a sense of who might be on the ball and who's who's not. Yeah, there's a lot going on and some new rules as well thrown in there. And we're going to get to chatting all about that as well. But something I thought was interesting as well during the week, uh, just with the press conferences, I heard Lewis just speaking about how you learn so much more from obviously what happened to him uh, coming in second place, that you learn and you grow. Do you think that he's sort of thriving on all of this now and that he likes it? There's this bit of competition for him? I think he's been genuinely asking for a worthy competitor for quite a few mm-hmm. seasons now. I think the last time he was challenged as much as as uh, Max Verstappen challenged him last season was when we had Nico Rosberg uh, as his teammate. So there has been a bit of a period of, you know, he's had some great run-ins, you know, the 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 competition between him and Sebastian Vettel when Vettel was at mm-hmm. Ferrari in kind of 2018, that was a really close show in. But yeah, this was the, this was, you know, we, Lewis Hamilton had to dig deep and find that extra, uh, that extra edge that we know he's got, but maybe has been a bit sleepy uh, for the past few seasons. So, and I think the, the Mercedes team ethos is very much you learn more from your failures than you do from your successes, mm-hmm. which for an eight-time constructors title-winning team may be easier easier to say than actually live through. But I do really believe that their their team ethos is very much surrounded by that 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 you can rise from your defeats, mm-hmm. um, but you don't learn much in success. So they're they're quite um, they're quite humble like that, even if they have basically beaten almost every F1 record going. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out because Mercedes do look like they're slightly on the back foot already. Um, so it's going to be how they how they manage that and, and mm-hmm. whether they can be competitive and, and bring another title race to, to Max. And with Mercedes, we see the new pairing, which is really interesting. Um, Bottas, he was such a good teammate. I think that was something that he did so well. Like he sacrificed a lot of times for Lewis. He was Lewis Hamilton's dream teammate. Mm. Um, Didn't really challenge him too much, but still did enough to mean that they brought home the Constructors' Championship. So it is going to be a weird dynamic because George Russell has been wanting this shot for, well, ever since he entered into Formula One. So Mm -hmm. three seasons now, this is his fourth season. And uh, he desperately wants 
to be challenging for world titles. He's an extremely successful driver in the junior categories, pretty much won everything going. Um, and he's he entered into Formula One in a backmarker team. So he's got a point to prove. And it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out between the very successful seven-time world champion and this this new driver in terms of uh, someone who could be winning world championships. Yeah, I think that's something everybody's going to have a close eye on. And then for Max Verstappen, then it's sort of fresh pressure to defend a title rather than having to chase one um, like he always has been. Yeah, and interesting, um, Fernando Alonso, who himself is a is a two time world champion, uh, came out and said that oh, the pressure's off now. He's won it, <laughs> so uh, you know he doesn't really have a point to prove. And Max has always been very um, pragmatic about stuff like this. He's mm-hmm. in his mind, whether or not this is true or not, because Max doesn't often let you into his psyche and the way that he's thinking. He's very guarded about that. Um, he he's like, well, I've completed Formula One now, so. I'm just out here having fun. Whether or not that actually plays no out, if it, if it gets yeah, if like, it gets tight, I don't think so. <laughs> um, but you know, it is it's quite difficult to defend a world title. Mm. Um, you know, before the dominance of Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So it is going to be interesting. But that Red Bull does look like they've brought a very very good package. So it could be that Max is a, a very happy boy this season. And how has testing gone for them? Yeah, testing is testing has been very, very interesting. Um, we've got a brand new era of car, as we've said, so nobody really knows how uh, the cars are going to properly act out on track until we mm-hmm. got track running. Um, and there's been a lot of kind of cloak and dagger, especially at the the top teams. Uh, Red Bull came out on the final day of testing with a brand new side pod setup that obviously set us uh, with our cameras snapping, trying to guess what what they were doing. Um, So, you know, they've kept their cards very close to their chest and Mm -hmm. kind of only uh, left it to the last minute to see uh, the the full package that they've been bringing, um, which has been really interesting. We've always had that in testing. No one really wants to show their hand until the first race weekend. Mm -hmm. But there was a lot of that. I mean, we had Mercedes reveal their side podless car um which is a completely different interpretation of the rules which is i mean it gives us column inches to write about yeah. on the tech side <laughs> um which is brilliant um but yeah it's, it does it from what we saw in terms of because what we're looking for testing is reliability so how many mm. laps are they putting in are they breaking down are they having any issues red bulls had a pretty much clean running like not nothing they did they did they um, top the timesheets, they put in lots of laps. So they were looking particularly strong. Whereas the likes of Mercedes, we're kind of sat here going, oh, I think they've got maybe a bit of work to do to make that W13 drivable. So uh, yeah, it's kind of been a, the, the great thing is, is that from about fifth backwards, we have no idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like none. Uh, everybody keeps asking us, you know, give us your top 10 in terms of team pecking order. And we can kind of all maybe semi-agree on the top four, but then fifth to 10th, we're like, it's anybody's game, which is great. But we also want that at the top of the field. But it does look like we have more teams closer to the front that could be mm-hmm. in contention for race wins, which is great. And just in Formula One, like during the testing, is there mind games that goes on? Because obviously we're talking about Mercedes not really being up to scratch, but do they do this on purpose a little bit to hold back and not obviously show their full hand? 
Yeah, so sandbagging, as we call it, is is definitely something that you see in in testing. Mm-hmm. But from the conversations that people have had at track, um, from what we've heard from the team principals, I don't I don't think that's the case at Mercedes. Okay, I, I, there's more I really to it. don't think. I think there's more to it. I think that we we've had things where they um they they physically sawed off parts of their front wing to try and increase airflow around the car so they're doing things like you know taking tools to bits of bodywork and trying okay. to manipulate them um so and we've had mclaren had uh brake problems they couldn't cool down their brakes so they were super quick but they couldn't slow down the car so you know we we definitely have had storylines where I, I don't think anybody's holding back here mm-hmm. now we have had instances, uh, probably the most famous was in 2009 with Braun GP, where they turned up and they they p- purposefully went very slowly um, because they couldn't believe just how well they'd got their, their set up together. Um, and they ended up absolutely dominating that season and, and winning. It's one of the great stories of, of Formula One, um, mm-hmm. Braun GP and, and Jensen Button's title winning year. But I, I it's a... Looks like we just lost Jess there for a moment. I think it was coming and going. For the last few minutes, it was touch and go. It's very interesting to hear that about the Formula One. And I am, I'm no expert by any means, but uh, I would think that there is mind games that goes on because just like if you're going out, maybe in the league, we could, an example for GA, that you don't show your full hand, that you try things out and you maybe give other players a chance and all of these things. And I'm sure with Formula One, they don't want to go out and show their their, their best side, their best car, all of their attributes that, um, you know, they, they want to hold things back to be able to push on and uh, really to, to win. And, and yeah, it's unbelievable. But uh, Jess is something else. She really has all the insight for us. And we're going to be chatting as well just about the rule changes. I think that's really a, a big talking point as well at the minute because last year, obviously, we've seen in the last lap what happened with the safety car. And I think they've changed the wording of of that. So we're going to be chatting away to just hear um, how that goes. But uh, yeah, I don't know if we're going to be able to get Jess back, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely have um, another chat with her again soon because it's, it's really interesting to hear all about it. But now we're going to talk to go over live. Sorry to John Duggan in Cheltenham. But first, we're going to go to the ads. I haven't time for Hurling. No, no, no. Hey, hey, hey. He's too old spoken about Hurling, you know. He think he was a legend of all time. But he's just from Capitagula. My little nephew. Hey, I'm his uncle now. He's my nephew. <laughs> <laughs> he's my nephew now. Woohoo! Oh, this is what dreams are made of. This is, I'm so proud of my uncle. I'm so, I'm so proud of my uncle. Cousins, uncles, just I'm delighted. James, how great is this on Patrick's Day? Oh, Jesus Christ. This is ridiculous. Stuff for dreams, like. Stuff for dreams, isn't it? Not the last year, no crowds last year, boys couldn't do it, and here we are today, suffer dreams. Amazing scenes there in Cheltenham for Danny Mullins and for all the syndicate there involved with Flooring Porter. Good morning, John. Ashley, how are we doing? Good. That is just amazing. That is what sport is all about, isn't it? 
Well, you can have your big owners and your millions and all that kind of thing, but Florian Porter is what racing is all about, isn't it, Ashton? Like, the colours are a pint of plain, black and white. Mm -hmm. There was an ad on Facebook from Gavin Cromwell, a trainer, uh, asking people to see if they want to invest in horses a few years ago. And these lads, uh, a syndicate from South Frost Common Galway, four lads, the Sweeney's who were involved in a pub and Ned Hogarty was involved in the flooring business, uh, carpets and pints. And they bought uh, the horse for a few grand. It, it wasn't a, an extravagant purchase and the horse has just turned into a bit of a freak. And they've all used that phrase. So that's not an unusual phrase for horse racing. He just keeps on winning and winning and winning. He won the race last year. No crowds, as we know. Mm -hmm. Stairs hurdle. And then yesterday it was just fantastic to see first of all before the race they were all gathered in a huddle in the kind of paddock area and then when he came in through the winner's enclosure it was just bedlam and Danny Mullins was put on the shoulders of James Cahill from the hurling pod the hurling yeah. pod took over Cheltenham yeah he's not coming back he said he's done <laughs> it's all horse racing yeah. from now on it was unbelievable and I think Danny Mullins as well he, that's a great story in itself even over the last year year and a half like he's really come into his own and it was a great ride like the way that he held him back he sort of brought him back to the pack he was really like taken off in front he held him back and he, he just really timed it well coming up to that straight it's so hard to do Ashing in a three mile race over hurdles to, to go from the front because horses generally need to stay to win that race so usually you're a sitting duck so he was able to judge the fractions of the race perfectly it's probably the ride of the season mm -hmm. and then we would have said that about Rachel Blackmore on Tuesday in the champion hurdle the way she was so confident on honeysuckle but yesterday they were then just stacking up behind and then they put the pressure on but then he had more and more and more and he, I asked him did he know they were behind and he just knew they were and then he knew how much he had up that mm. finishing hill and the hill is much steeper in the flesh here Ashley and Cheltenham as you would see on TV and even as a horse he, he's not a hell of a lot to look at John but my god he gets the wins <laughs> No, he's a bit quirky. He's a bit of a strange mm. animal in terms of his temperament at times. Uh, like he threw away his chance of Punchestown last year. So Gavin Cromwell has done a great job both to have him here a year on. It's not easy with horses getting injuries quite easily. Mm -hmm. And then to go and win it again. And he's a horse that just needs to have quiet handling. And Danny Mullins, as you said, rode him with, with supreme confidence. And that's the way he's been riding all season. Yeah, it is. It's an unbelievable story. And you're actually speaking with Danny Mullins and we're going to have a listen to that now. It's a fantastic day, you know, Florin Porter, great little horse, big performance to win at this stage. The reception we got afterwards was fantastic. I saw you in a plane with Sean Flanagan recently. I'd say this was an even bigger thrill. Yeah, you know, this lad is nearly as big an airplane as Sean's, so <laughs> you know, the, these are the days it's all about. And last year, no crowds. Look, it was great to have a festival then, but this year, the reception was just off the scale. It was, you know, to win at Cheltenham is what it's all about. And for the syndicate, you know, to be here and enjoy it this year, they really got to enjoy that. And that's as, as good a reception as you'll see after a race. This is what it's all about as well, isn't it? You have your big owners and they're important for the game, but the small syndicates like a pub and a carpet shop and lads from the West, that's the lifeblood of racing. That's it, you know, and for the lads, you know, to be able to buy a horse like him and mix it with the best, it's what racing's all about and fantastic to see it. Talk to us about the race itself, because obviously you were in the van, you were in the front, and like last year. Yeah, everything went fairly straightforward, you know, got away handy, kept jumping all the way, and galloped out strongly, yeah, good. Did you know they were stacking up behind you? I could hear them, yeah, you know, you, 
even the first circuit I, I knew I was a couple of lengths clear down the back straight and we went a, a strong gallop I got to stack up and let him roll again How do you judge it then when you're coming to the last for example of how much you have in the tank and, and the feeling that you might have this race in the bag I get into the furlong pole with a lot of petrol left in Cheltenham it's a uh, a special feeling you know after going that gallop you need a good horse underneath you to be doing that so the reception they put you on uh, their shoulders yeah the ride in the shoulders was a little bit more wobbly than the ride in the race but you know to be part of those celebrations is fantastic you're not going to get tired of this winner for a while but you got tornado flyer in the gold cup on friday danny and this horse won the king george which is normally one of the key trials so you'd have to think you might have got an each way chance I think he's definitely got an each-way chance. You know, the way he hit the line in the King George says he has every chance of seeing out the extra few furlongs in the Gold Cup and, you know, we'll give it a good rattle. Uh, I've plenty of faith in Tornado. Yes, an exciting day at Cheltenham, John. It is Gold Cup day. It's a massive day in the racing calendar. What can we expect? Um, I expect we will be having more Irish winners by the end of the week than the UK, but it's only 11-10 at the moment, so it's been closer. Now, they had only five winners, the British contingent, last mm-hmm. year, so to have 10 is good, and it's good for the competitiveness of the game that they've had these winners. Uh, but I'd expect we will be ahead by the end of the day. I'd expect an Irish Gold Cup winner. I think Protector Ash and Royal Pagai have work to do uh, for the home contingent to win the Gold Cup, so I'd, I'd be confident the Gold Cup will come back to Ireland after Manella Indo won it last year and was brought to Waterford with uh, Henry de Bromhead and Jack Kennedy riding it then. Um, mm-hmm. I'll go through each race here. Uh, we'll start with the half one. Now, the going, as we saw on Wednesday, Ashley turned heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it became a little better yesterday with the drying ground. Uh, they were using a new course. There's two courses at Chatham. There's an old course uh, and then there's an, a new course on the inside. And the new course is a more galloping track and you have to... Um, really really stay the gold cup trip uh, jumping is not as much of a premium on the new course as it is in the old course but um the ground is drying out all the time here so i expect it to be on the soft side of good today mm-hmm. but they did race it yesterday so that might make it a little bit gluey and a bit sticky for the horses so the half one is the triumph hurdle i wouldn't recommend a bet in this race um it's a difficult one to work out Vauban, uh, won the last time at Leopardstown. He's got a lot of speed. Uh, Willie Woodlands, I think, is confident he will improve for that. And when I met, met Willie Woodlands last week at Leopardstown, he gave me two bankers, Alaho and Fasal Vega, and they both won already, and they're confident about Vauban. That probably should say enough. Mm-hmm. But it's a juvenile race, four-year-olds. The, 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 these horses at that age can be in and out in terms of their form. Gordon Elliott has got a couple in his field door who was very good earlier in the season. And Pied Piper, who's won here over the course and distance at Cheltenham, both have chances. Ilette Etan hadn't run until he ran at Leopardstown last time, and he was third. And he's definitely one to have on the right side in the future. But once again, Paul Tan and the stable jockey has chosen Vauban. With a couple of English challengers, Porticello, Knight Salouche, Dr. Parnassus, uh, Lunar Power for Noel Mead. Mm-hmm. I'd say it's going to go to one of the front three, Vauban, Pied Piper or Fieldor, but I wouldn't recommend a bet in it. Uh, the 210 then is the county hurdle. There's a horse called Stateman who ran a Christmas at Leopardstown and fell. Uh, this is a handicap. So what they try to do here is frame the weights that the jockeys carry on their back so that mm-hmm. all the horses theoretically have an equal chance. But Stateman probably hasn't shown his best form yet. And that's why he's the favorite in the betting. And I do think he's ahead of his mark, as it were. So Stateman, but you're talking about a, a race that's got what? 26 runners, two miles over Cheltenham. They're going to be going mad, mad clip. You don't know um, what can happen. Well, that's it. It's, it's hold on for dear life. Mm. You have to be lucky and running. Like, 
the horse can be brought down in front of you. You could fall. You could be hampered. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, so it's 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 not as simple as state man just turning up and winning. Uh, so there's loads of horses with chances. Surprise package won the Imperial Cup last weekend. Uh, I like to move it. Has been running consistently in handicap hurdles. West Cork won over the course and distance earlier in the mm-hmm. season. I might make Mozzie. Gavin Cromwell had a big winner four and forty yesterday, and he likes this horse. Might make Mozzie. Uh, he's a, a decent price. Um, the one I'm going to go for each way is Colonel Mustard. Uh, it's nothing to do with Cluedo now, Ashley. It's not going to be with the, the the lead piping in the billiard room. Um, but Colonel Mustard, Lorna Fowler uh, trains this one. He's been running in graded races behind the likes of John Bond, Sir Gerhard, and they've run well mm. already at the festival this week. So Colonel Mustard is around a seven to one shot. I think he's the each way play against State Man today. That is the county hurdle at 210. The 250 is the Albert Bartlett Novices Hurdle. Once again, you have 19 runners. This is a very difficult race to work out because there's a load of potential. You've had, like, I remember Bertie's Dream winning this at 33 to 1. You had Manella Indo, the Gold Cup winner, won this at 50 to 1 this race wow. a few years ago. It's a very it's a very difficult race to work out. Uh, this is not, once again, a betting race that I would be getting involved in. Let's go through them. Hillcrest is all over a chaser for the future. Hillcrest, the favourite in the colours of the late Trevor Hemmings. But once again, yeah, earlier in his career trying to win this, it could be difficult to Ginto for Gordon Elliott as a consistent horse in Ireland. Manella Kakuner, I really like, but I think it would be a better horse next year. The nice guy, obviously, mm-hmm. as I am. Um, <laughs> Sean O'Keefe rides him. He's got a lot of uh, potential. Haven't seen the best of him, possibly. He could have an each way chance. Sean Trills for Henry de Bramhead. Bardenstown Lad is a consistent horse. If I was going to pick a couple each way at massive prices, and the reason why they're massive prices is that they could flop. Yeah. But Eric Blood, Eric Bloodaxe, I just saw Brian talking about Eric Bloodaxe on a, I think it was a preview of the Breeders' Cup on Off the Ball Saturday about six months ago. And I said, give me one horse to follow for the season. And he said, Eric Bloodaxe. Horse won at Limerick at Christmas. Fits the trends. Has been, was desperately disappointing the last day. So he might have gone at the game, Eric Bloodaxe. But at 28 to 1, 33 to 1, he might be worth 50 cent each way, a euro each way. The other one is a complete... Remillies is just, they were raving about Remillies in Willie Mullins' yard all last year as a brilliant bumper horse. And he never did it on the track, really. He's 33 to 1 with Brian Cooper in the saddle. He won last time out. He doesn't have any respect for the hurdles whatsoever. But if Remillies stays, he could be the complete fly in the ointment in this one. So once again, a zero each way race, and it's a difficult one to work out. Uh, the 410, we'll get to the Gold Cup at the end here. The 410 yeah. is the, the, the Hunter's Chase. The one I like here is Winged Leader. Barry O'Neill from Wexford has ridden, I think, over 500 winners in point-to-points. And this Man. is where the point-to-points jockeys come. But he's never had a winner at Cheltenham. He just got Ram a, a few years ago, who's so close. And winged leader is about second favourite, about 5-6-1. to one. One last time, beat Bill away by 12 lengths at Thurless. He's an improving horse for the Northern Ireland trainer, David Christie. He's only eight years of age, which is quite young for Hunter's Chases. I think if winged leader can get into a rhythm, he might have a squeak of... Uh, being in the frame there for Barry O'Neill. I'd love to see him ride a winner at Cheltenham in the Hunter's Chase. In the 450, this is the Mare's Chase. Concertista is a very good horse. I just don't know if she stays. She was harried out of it in the Mare's Hurdle over the same distance, two and a half miles last year. Eddie May was second in this last year. Mount Ida is the hot favourite for Gordon Elliott. But this horse does tend to hit one. Mm-hmm. And the one I'm going for each way is Zambella, as is the English challenger for Daryl Jacob another Wexford jockey riding for Nigel Twiston Davies is a brilliant jumper she was either fell or brought down in the race last year when creeping into contention she's been running really well all this season I think Zambella is a good each way play about 12 to 1 the last race my nap of the day is in this it's adamantly chosen 
who is going to be ridden by Richard Deegan for Whitty Mullins. About a 6-7 to 1 shot. Once again, a bit like Stateman, I think he's got a bit in hand on the handicapper. This is the race Willie Mullins targets with his stars of the future. Got up on the Champs you saw yesterday. Won this easily last year. Yeah. Don Poetty won this race before. You had Kilota Vickwin in this race. This is the race, Sir Day Champs. Willie Mullins targets this race with a horse that will be his one for the future. And this horse won the one of the big bumpers at Punchestown last year, the Goffs Land Rover bumper. So he's one in the big field. If he stays the trip, adamantly chosen, I think, would be ahead of, the, ahead of the handicapper. About seven to one each way is my nap of the day. And then a Skull Cup time. So it's a hard one to work out, Ashin. It's a, it's a difficult one to work out. 22 fences, three and a quarter miles, 3.30. We know the kind of roll of honour back and through the years. Arco won it three times. We'd best mate win it three times. Album photo a couple of times. Yeah. Photo star a couple of times. Dawn run the mare in 1986. Who could forget that Desert Orchid, the grey in 1989. Such a rich history, this great steeplechase, the blue ribbon of the game. A hundred years, in two years' time, this is the 1924 was first run. So what are the storylines here? There's a few storylines, I suppose. We go through the card here. Yep. Al- album photo has won it twice, 10 years of age now. Willie Butters hasn't been too happy with him. I'm not so sure. He still tends to make a mistake in his races. Mm-hmm. Maybe Father Time is against album photo. Uh, although Sean Flanagan and Connor Dwyer in the Saturday panel last week uh, both liked him as an each-way play for this race in the in the in, in, in the Gold Cup, not not to win. I think they both went for Manella Endo, but album photo. I just don't I don't know if time is against him. A ten-year-old has not won the Gold Cup since 1998. A is the class horse of the race, and if he's improved at all since last year, he wins under Rachel Blackmore. What a story it would be for Rachel and Henry de Bramhead to win the Unbelievable. Gold Cup after yeah. winning the champion hurdle on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. The only thing I'm concerned about is the yard is not as sparkling as it was. Now, Honeysuckle won on Tuesday, but the yard is not as sparkling as it was last year. Journey With Me and Bob Ollinger did not run as well as I think they could have this week, even though Bob Ollinger won. So Plutard, I also don't know if he stays. He's running a Ryanair chase in the Gold Cup of the Festival. He hasn't won either one. Mm -hmm. So Plutard, for me, might be, just might find one too good, but he's a class horse of the race. And if he shows what he showed at Haydock, he definitely has every chance of winning. Asterian Forlange, Falls too many times for my liking. I also don't think he stays the trip, but he'd be he'd be, he'd be cruising he'd be cruising at the top of the hill. Um, I don't think he stays. I Rice is outclassed. Chantry House was was pulled up in the King George, wouldn't and finished tired the last day. I, I, he could he, he he does have course form, so it wouldn't be an, an absolute sensation if he won. But I think he's more of an each way chance than a win chance. Galvin is a stayer. Yeah. Galvin obviously trained by Gordon Elliott. It would be a redemption story. We know Gordon was banned this time last year. If Gordon won the Gold Cup for a second time, he's won it with Don Cossack before. Galvin's won over the festival over a longer distance. He beat a Plutard at Leopardstown at Christmas. We know if Galvin's there coming to the last in contention, he'll probably win because he will stay better. And do we know, John, if uh, Davy Russell, will he be on board? Do we have any word Uh, on that? I think think we're confident that he will be. Brilliant. Um, um, And Davy's got a great tune out of the horse Mm. who was bred in County Clare. Uh, Manella Indo, last year's winner. Um, should would he prefer better ground? Possibly. Robbie Powers on him this year. I think that Manella Indo, he he flopped in the King George at at Kempton, and I don't yeah. think he's been showing the same sparkle as last year. Protectorat for uh, Dan Skelton hasn't run for months. Could be an improver. Could be a, a, like he won so well at Aintree. The mm-hmm. only thing about Protectorat, he hasn't faced this class of horse before, but he is the improver, potential improver of the field. Royal Pagai, I think, needs deeper ground. I don't think he's good enough. Uh, Santini 
once again, a bit like Album Photo, I think his best days are behind him. And the one I'm going to go for, the very last one, Ashling, in the in the in the numbers, Tornado nice Flyer, number eleven, Danny Mullins. Danny Mullins, what a story that would be, John. It would it would be Willie Mullins. It's all about the yards in form, and Willie Mullins is the yard most in form at the moment. He's mm-hmm. at five winners, I believe, at the festival so far. Tornado Flyer won one of the key trials for the race, the King George. Now everybody said, well, the race mm-hmm. fell apart because. Frodon and Manetta Indo uh, went too fast in front and, and Tornado Flyer just picked everybody off. But Tornado Flyer, if he stays, it's an if, but if he stays, if he's there or thereabouts, his stamina, he's always looked like staying in races. He was third in the bumper here. He was third in the Ryanair last year. And if Danny Wollens can get him into a position where he has got into a rhythm, he also has a tendency to hit one. I'm just ch- chancing at about 11 or 12 to one that Tornado Flyer could reach the frame. But a Plutard, the class horse in the race, Gavin's the stair. Tornado yeah. Flyer is the one I'm going to go for. Yeah, for me, when I was looking at the race card, I was thinking, Galvin, it'd just be an unbelievable story for Davy Russell, for Gordon Elliott. I wouldn't mind seeing the Gold Cup come back to County Meath as well. That'd be a nice little story in there too. Um, but yeah, as you said, it's hard to know. You don't know what's going to happen um, in a race like this. But yes, it's, it's unbelievable. And John, for you, over the it's 20 years now that you're reporting at Cheltenham, well, that's incredible. When I seen you tweet that during the week, I actually couldn't believe it's been that long. It's, it's quite amazing. How has it been, I suppose, from the start to now? Um, what differences have you seen? The big difference is the Irish dominance mm. of the festival. That's the big thing that I've seen. And it's really I'm still something I can not really get my head around because I grew up when I was seven years of age, Don Run won the Gold Cup. It was the front story on the news channel, not the sports. It was the 6-1 news with Don Run winning the Gold Cup. Mm-hmm. Because back then, uh, a lot of people had to emigrate and leave Ireland and uh, didn't, want, didn't want to leave. And for Don Run to win the Gold Cup or Isterbrack to win the champion hurdle, it was a source of pride for a lot of people that we mm-hmm. were um, showing our best of sport on the international stage. And we know with flat racing, Aidan O'Brien has done that. Vincent O'Brien before him. They've gone around the world and they've won big races, the Melbourne Cup and all the races, the Breeders' Cup and the Epsom Derby and that. And Irish horses at jumps meetings have done the same. But it was like 24 years between Grand National wins, 75 to 99. And when I went to Cheltenham first, Ashley, it was so intimidating. It was just, you really felt like an underdog. You felt like, as a member yeah. of the press, you felt like I'm, I'm at a, like a, I'm at a place here that uh, is just the big leagues. Mm-hmm. And to see Ireland win 23 races, obviously none of us were here last year, but even 2017, we won 19. You're yeah. just, it's, it's a reflection, I suppose, in one way of how Ireland has progressed as a country. Because 30 years ago, 40 years ago, we'd be selling all these horses because we couldn't afford to keep them. And now all the big owners, all the money has come in and Ireland is a, a, a forward place when it comes to sport mm-hmm. uh, and, 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 and racing. Um, generally, the best horses come out of our country and France as well. So um, I, I think it's a maturity from, a, from an Irish point of view. And we've been able to showcase our best jockeys, uh, owners, horses and, and trainers over the last 20 years. So that's the biggest change is the Ireland has conquered Cheltenham. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad way to to round off two decades. So I'm I'm hoping that will continue in the Gold Cup today. Yes, absolutely. And this week for you, how has it gone? I know um, you had a bit of a slow start, but you're hoping this is it now, this last day, you're going to pull it out of the bag for us, John? (laughs) Well, one thing as well, I've never done over 20 years, Ashing is drink. So uh, my tips have been almost driving me to drink, to be honest, uh, over the first three days. Uh, it's been such a cold snap and you just don't know when that you're going to have a cold snap. Uh, no. I've had a great, I've had a great run here of, uh, I think, about 14 years profit, of eight, eight years profit out of the last 11. So you're going to get, uh, you're going to get years when it doesn't go to plan. So all I'll say to anybody out there is 
Um, just be aware that my tips are, are cold. Uh, just make sure you go each way. Don't, don't do it in the city. Never bet more than you can afford anyway. Um, but last year, the last two winners, and that, that's, you want to go to otbsports.com. I've gone for wins only to try to get into profit. But what I'm recommending to anybody out there is make sure you go each way in these races because uh, I've got a specific strategy which doesn't like mirror what everybody else should be doing. So that's just my madness here. So I'm hoping, but uh, hopeful rather than confident, I think is the best thing I can say, Ashley. Yeah, and you've given us a few good each way bets there as well. So um, yeah, I wrote them all down. I'm sure we'll get them up online as well for everybody to see. Well, John, enjoy it the last day. Have a good one and hopefully we'll be successful. <laughs> Thanks, Ashley. Take care. Thanks, John. Yeah, brilliant to hear John there. Live from Cheltenham on the last day, Gold Cup day, which is always a brilliant day in the racing calendar. Well, that's it from the Friday's OTBAM. Thanks a million for everybody for tuning in. OTBAM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Off the Ball is live across the weekend, of course, from 1pm on Saturday and 1pm on Sunday. OTBAM will be back live at 7.30am on Monday morning. For now, we're leaving you with some more rugby. 